0: You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about sleep, but before we do that, let's catch up on life lately. What is new with you, Sarah? We started online schooling this week. We've only had three days, but I will say so far it has exceeded my expectations. Hmm. There are many parts that are challenging. Right now I feel like I'm constantly going back and forth between them helping them navigate through it all, but I think that will become more routine and they'll understand the systems more as we go through. But I have been incredibly impressed with the level of engagement the teachers are able to achieve in the online format and the way they're able to manage a classroom in this really new and different way. That's totally awesome. Hopefully it just continues to get better since we'll likely be doing this for a while. (laughs) What's new with you? I wanted to highlight some recent secondhand wins of mine. My favorite part about this is that these have all come off somebody's trash pile as I've been walking in the neighborhood. (laughs) My favorite way to find things. So when we first moved here, I was so bummed that there was not already a buy nothing group. Mm -hmm. But I think what that means is that people just put awesome stuff in the trash. And because I walk pretty early in the morning, Mm -hmm. I have found so much awesome stuff. The kids' favorite has been one of those small trampolines, those exercise trampolines. Yes. We found some plastic garage shelving. A small kitchen-type sink that someone had taken the whole cabinet out of probably their garage or something, and it had a little sink in the top that was no longer attached, and it was all covered with paint and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's small enough that I went to build some kind of stand for it to make like a play kitchen, mud kitchen-type thing. Yes. Yes. That has always been an ambition of mine, and we are past the ideal age for that. Oh, sure. And I have friends who had that, and I never made it a reality, but I hope that you will. Yes, (laughs) I hope that I will, too. As many people know, I am good at making plans and not always good at executing, but we will see how it goes. So we are raking it in, in terms of free stuff over here. (laughs) Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest read, Sarah? I just finished The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex Harrow. This is a science fiction novel, and it reminded me a lot of The Starless Sea, almost to the point where it was a little strange how similar some aspects of it were. Hmm. But this felt much more accessible, and some of the problems that we talked about with the Starless when we discussed it on the podcast weren't part of this novel. Mm. We meet January Scowler in 1901 when she's seven. She's being raised by Mr. Locke, who is a wealthy man and the head of an archaeological society. We learn that her mother is dead and her father is traveling the world collecting artifacts for Mr. Locke. As the story continues, we learn about these doors that are portals into other worlds, Hmm. and that the story that January has been told about her life is only part of the truth. I loved the writing, incredibly beautiful, an engaging plot, especially the latter half of the book. Mm -hmm. The one thing I didn't like was it did take me a while to get into it. But once I did, I was completely hooked. I would recommend this. I think it was a great science fiction read. I found it to be really clever and enjoyed how all the pieces came together. Nice. What have you been reading? I recently finished Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. This is a coming-of-age story about Juliet, who's a self-described Puerto Rican lesbian. When we meet her at the beginning of the book, she's just finished her first year of college, and she's leaving her home in Brooklyn, to spend the summer in Portland, Oregon, to do an internship with a white feminist author. Okay. It's a great story, but it also does a really good job with sociocultural education. Mm-hmm. How the plot develops made me reflect a lot on my role as a white woman and as a self-described feminist, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that, and I am still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend it. It's a quick read and does that great fiction thing of telling a good story while also broadening your worldview. Sounds great. Now let's move on to our main segment for today our sleep. Sarah, what are your sleep needs and how is your life when they are not being met? My sleep needs are very high and my life is terrible when they are not met. (laughs) (laughs) I need at least nine hours of sleep a night. If I get less than that for even a couple of nights in a row, I am not okay. Everything in the world starts to annoy me and I lose my patience much more quickly. And when that starts to happen, I usually realize, hmm, probably the entire world isn't annoying. It's probably me because I'm exhausted. (laughs) How about for you? I have moderate sleep needs. I do pretty well on seven to eight hours a night, but I can go a long time on minimal sleep, so six hours or less. I can't even imagine. (laughs) I can, actually. Sounds miserable. (laughs) I definitely have shorter patients and am more prone to headaches and nausea when I'm not well rested, but I think I'm mostly still functional. So how about the rest of your family in sleep? Neil's sleep needs are more similar to yours, He still likes to get eight hours of sleep, Mm -hmm. but doesn't fall apart on the inside the way that I do. when I have not slept well. Mm -hmm. For this reason, once my kids stopped nursing at night, Neil became the parent to get up with them, which may sound like not quite a fair trade-off with how often you get up when you're nursing and how long that goes on. Mm -hmm. But my kids are terrible sleepers and only recently started sleeping through the night. So (laughs) he's done a lot of nighttime wake-ups and I am very appreciative. It's really nice to have that balance between our sleep needs, because if we were both like me, Mm -hmm. I think we'd be in some major trouble. Yeah. It's hard to say with the kids. I would say overall HP sleep needs are higher than E's, but neither of them have been particularly amazing sleepers ever. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew has much higher sleep needs than I do. He is more like you. He would love to get nine hours a night on the regular and sometimes will go to bed at nine and wake up at seven. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He usually gets in bed earlier than I do for that reason and wakes up later, though sometimes he wakes up early to go running. Plum is like him. She is a great sleeper and has slept essentially seven to seven her whole life. And we really notice when she is more than an hour short on those 12 Mm -hmm. hours a day. Mm -hmm. Pepper seems to have sleep needs a little bit more like mine, though since sleep training, he's doing much better than that. It just seems like he functions pretty well regardless, whereas with Plum especially, it's all over if the sleep is not (laughs) happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about sleep habits. I am a stomach sleeper, sometimes a side sleeper. The times when I have not been able to do that, like in pregnancy, Mm. I just remember my hips hurting so much and never being able to feel comfortable at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This was also a big issue for me after my surgery last year when I had to sleep on my back for weeks on end. And I just remember laying there almost in tears being so miserable that I could not sleep the way that I want to sleep. The worst. I do like to lay on my back at first and just think my thoughts. (laughs) I love that time of night. It is one of my favorite things. It was one of my favorite things as a kid is just laying there, would make up stories, featuring myself, (laughs) going through various (laughs) scenarios in my life, and slowly drift off. So I often do that, and then when I'm really ready to fall asleep, I'll turn over onto my stomach. I am also a stomach sleeper, occasionally a side sleeper, much more while pregnant. I usually. Start out reading on my side with two pillows under my head and one between my knees and then turn onto my stomach with my head flat on the mattress. No pillows. No pillows. No pillows. Mm. And one knee bent sort of figure four style. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with my knee pillow under that leg, sometimes not. But that's my ready-to-sleep position. I also often tuck my arms into my torso. Ooh, interesting. I like one arm above my head, one arm at my side. Mmm. One thing about my sleep is that I have always had really intense dreams. Mostly they're just strange versions of things in my regular life, but also occasional terrifying nightmares. Ugh. There are still a few nightmares that are burned into my memory from when I was a kid. I've had bad ones as an adult too, but they are less scarring than the ones I experienced as a young person. <laughs> I normally like Having all those dreams, I find it interesting. I can't remember a time that I've woken up without remembering what I've been dreaming about. Hmm. But lately, it's actually felt really stressful, I think, because there's a lot of stress happening in the world. Mm -hmm. The pandemic worries have come into my dreams, which makes sleep much less restful, and that I wake up feeling anxious and worried and not relaxed. Hmm. I almost never remember my dreams, hmm. very seldom. I'll, sometimes when I first wake up, we'll catch like a snatch of something, but then it's just gone. Hmm. It's not vivid enough or intense enough, and it tends to be pretty mundane, I think. The best dreams that I've remembered have been ones where I imagine meeting someone that I know and love in real life. Mm-hmm. Like I had one earlier this summer that I was just having a conversation and sharing cold drinks with a friend who lives in Oklahoma. And then I told her about it and she said, oh, that must have been a soul thing or a spirit thing because I was just thinking about you. And I love that. But it's very rare. Hmm. I wonder if it's because I am not actually up that much in the night. Mm -hmm. Are you up a lot? And so you're re-remembering things every time you're up? I do wake up at least once or twice a night, once to go to the bathroom, and usually another time before I'm actually awake. I've also wondered if that's why I need so much sleep, hmm. because it's getting interrupted. Although, usually I fall back asleep almost straight away, so who's to say? But when you're waking up, are you having a dream right then? Mm -hmm. And then you notice the dream and remember it Mm -hmm. from that wake up, basically? Well, every time I wake up, I remember them. Hmm. Look, I remember it when I wake up in the morning. I'm having a dream when I wake up. When I wake up to the bathroom, I'm having a dream. I don't remember waking up without having a dream. And it's that weird time where my dream slowly turns into my real life. There's always that transition for me. I never just come to in the real world. That is so different from my experience. I love it. So what about sharing a bed with your partner? What Mm -hmm. is that like in your family? Well, I've been told that I snore. So there's that. (laughs) Nice. That's a more recent development. I don't believe I snored when Neil and I first met. Or maybe he just didn't tell me about it then. But (laughs) he was being polite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'd had roommates. Surely they would have told you. Exactly. And Neil does not snore, so that's quite pleasant for me. <laughs> Neither of us kick or move around a lot at night, which is nice. I remember traveling as a kid when my sister and I would have to share a bed and that she was very much a blanket and bed hog she denies that to this day but I stand by my statement (laughs) though I assume that's one of those things that you just gain more awareness of your body as you get older Mm. and that lots of kids and younger people move around much more than adults do maybe that's not true but my kids move around (laughs) a lot which I have found when we are sharing a tent together and they flop and kick excessively without (laughs) any regard to people sleeping next to them What is your bed sharing situation like? I don't snore, with some exceptions for when I was pregnant and things are all kinds of weird. Yes. But I am a strong sleep talker. I have Mm -hmm. been all my life. Mm -hmm. I just seem to have a lot to say. My mom would have entire conversations with me while I was sleeping when I was young. Ooh, interesting. So you respond to people if they're talking to you. It's more like I initiate a conversation that's like a little off, and then the person thinks I'm awake and engages back with me, but actually I'm 100% conked out, no memory of it. They will tell me about it in the morning, and it is as though it happened to somebody else. So fascinating. I say occasional words, Neil will tell me, but I don't have conversations. Regarding the cover stealing and bed hogging, mm-hmm. Andrew accuses me of both. Mm. He calls the cover stealing tacoing or burritoing the sheets. Like I wrap myself up with my hands under my mm-hmm. torso so that I'm fully covered. And I think that doesn't leave as much sheet or blanket as he would like to have. Yeah, maybe this is a problem in our relationship also. Mine and Neil's, not mine and yours. <laughs> With you, yep. Because in the summer, I really prefer having my own sheet. In the winter, we share blankets. Mm -hmm. But in the summer, I like having my own because I get really upset when my sheet gets taken away. Mm. We either need much longer sheets or there is some level of stealing happening (laughs) by one or the other of us. Yeah. And he also says that I take up much more than my fair share. Hmm. Which is at least in part because there's usually a cat on my side. Fair. Or a baby. Mm -hmm. And I I prefer to not share a bed with my children, but sometimes it just happens. Yes. What size bed do you use? We have a queen size bed. We do as well. And I like the king when we've been at hotels and things. It's like a nice luxury, Mm -hmm. but it feels excessive for everyday life. And like it would invite more cats and more children (laughs) into the bed. Yes. And that's not a place I want to go. I don't think our rooms are big enough to really accommodate a king-size bed comfortably. Mm. Okay, so we've sort of transitioned into this already, but describe your ideal sleep environment. I prefer for it to be cool. Mm -hmm. We don't do a lot of climate control in our house, so it's very cold in the winter and relatively hot in the summer. But in the summer, then, I like to have a fan to cool me off so that it's cold enough that I can at least use a sheet, if not a blanket. Neil finds this very frustrating because in the summer, he feels like if I'm putting a blanket and or sheet on and having on the fan, that we don't need the fan. But I hate not having something covering me. As a kid, I used to feel much safer, like I was protected if at Mm. least my feet were covered. Obviously, that is not accurate, but it feels safer and cozier. Mm Mm-hmm. The only time that that was not true was when I was in menopause last summer. Thank you, cancer treatment. And that was the first time that I did not even want a sheet on me when Mm. I was having multiple hot flashes at night. And I felt incredibly justified turning the fan on as much as I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in the winter, I really like a whole pile of blankets, probably at least five, if not more. It is just lovely to have all of that weight on me when I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. I'm also weird about my pillows. I need three of them. I need a relatively flat one, plus a thin down one to go on top of that that can more mold. It's my makeshift memory foam situation. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) But better than that, because the memory foam ones are too thick to be a stomach sleeper. Right. Where this works for me to be a little bit raised up, but not too much. Then I have a much bigger down pillow that is my favorite pillow, and that's the one I like to have my arm around at night. Hmm. I feel very sad when I am traveling or camping and I don't have my preferred pillow setup because it's a little excessive to carry three pillows with me when I go somewhere, (laughs) but there isn't the right combination when I am away from my home. I do like for it to be dark, but we don't have blackout curtains. I'm intrigued by them, and I think I would like them, but it's never been a problem for me, so under buyer have never purchased them. Yeah, I mean, if it's not broken, right? Yeah. The other thing I've noticed about myself just in the last year is that I have a hard time falling asleep when Neil isn't in the house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that I am used to him being there now, so it feels strange, or if I feel like this extra weight of responsibility is being the primary adult in the house, that I need to be more alert to things because that's all on me instead of a shared responsibility. I don't know if it's that I am going through worst-case scenarios of something happening to him and that's sparking some sort of anxiety, Hmm. but I usually end up staying up much later, either messing around on the internet or watching terrible TV, which maybe I do that Just because it's fun and no one else is around the house. It's hard to say. (laughs) But that said, we don't usually go to sleep at the same time. Mm. I would say maybe half the time we go to sleep at the same time and half the time I go to sleep first. Mm. What is your preferred sleep environment? Like you, I prefer it to be cooler and I prefer it to be darker. Our curtains aren't blackout curtains. I think they're called room darkening, so they block some of the light Mm. from outside, but We still see the sun come up. If they're completely blackout, it's hard for us to wake up in the morning, especially for Andrew. I've wondered about that. We have gone through periods of time with our kids sleeping in the room with us when they're really little, where we did have a blackout curtain up. (laughs) And he slept. Andrew, that is, slept so much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there were probably other reasons for that. Like, it's exhausting to have a new baby. (laughs) Right, right. But it was the curtains that contributed as well. For the coolness, we typically have the fan on a medium level in the summer, but we do keep our house pretty warm generally, so that provides enough airflow, mm-hmm. but the room is still warmish, so we're only doing usually a sheet, maybe a flannel sheet on top of that to be sort of like a lighter blanket, but it's not often in use. Mm-hmm. In the winter, we use a duvet and keep the house really cool at night, like have the heat set around 60 so that we are bundled in there like little bears in a cave. And I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have poor circulation in my feet. It takes them a really mm-hmm. long time to warm up. So <laughs> I have a few options. And even flannel sheets are icy cold in the winter when your house is that cold. Mm-hmm. So you get in. You can put your feet on your spouse if you have a spouse and the spouse is in the bed. <laughs> Take your chances on that. Sometimes it's received poorly. I was going to say that is something that I was able to utilize early in our relationship and have since been cut off (laughs) from using Neil as a heat source for my hands or feet. (laughs) Yep. So what I have is some rice bags that I sewed, just like a little pillow and then filled it with rice. And I microwave that mm. and then put it in the bed. We call them PD-ups and Andrew will do them before we even go up there because he is often going to bed before I am. So he'll put them in and I'll get in and there will be like a warm spot. That sounds so nice. It's been on my list to think about something like getting hot water bottles or something mm-hmm. because it is cozy like a bear cave once you've warmed it up, but it is not fun to get in Mm-mm. when it is so chilly at first. No, and there's something about my feet where even like moving them around and like massaging them doesn't do anything. They're still mm-hmm. just like blocks of ice. My feet yes. stay cold like, even in socks. Mm-hmm. Yes. I need some external heat source to put the heat in the bed so that Mm -hmm. I can put my feet on the heat rather than on my spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Even in the summer, I very rarely sleep with nothing covering me because I think, like you said, it feels a little more secure. Mm -hmm. I might occasionally stick a leg out yes, to regulate temperature, especially in winter, but I like some kind of covers. Yes. And I mentioned this already, but I have three pillows. The two that I use for reading are sort of the fake down gel type. So they compress. Mm -hmm. And then I have a regular kind of fat, squishy one that's like the between the knee. And I like sleeping in bed with Andrew, but I also like when he's not there. And I have the whole (laughs) bed to myself. (laughs) Okay, so currently, what does your sleep look like? The pandemic has been great for my sleep, other than (laughs) the bizarre dreams. (laughs) Since no one has to be anywhere early, the kids and I get up whenever we want. Neil does wake up early to start work. (laughs) And I think that is why I pushed my bedtime later, because it's easier to sleep till eight if I need to. So now I'm sleeping about 10 p.m. until eight. Hmm. I'm trying to push that back earlier because it's nice to get up before the kids and have some of that time, but haven't tried that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Partly because the kids have been staying up later. Which means that if I want any time in the evening, I can't go to bed at nine thirty, because that's when they're finally asleep. My pandemic sleep has been medium bad. For whatever reason, both cats have been noisy off and on, yowling at five AM, which they didn't do for years and years, and they both started again. I don't know if they're aging and they are confused at that time of day. Mm. I don't know if they're extra hungry. I mean WTF cats. <laughs> <laughs> and I think The anxiety of this current time definitely affects my sleep, particularly for me, it's sleep maintenance. So Hmm. I don't usually have too much trouble falling asleep, but the ability to stay asleep in the morning, yes I'll sort of wake up a little as it gets lighter, and then I'm just up and thinking thoughts and might as well get up and work or might as well do whatever. Zoloft definitely helps me with that. Hmm. The other thing that has been contributing to miss sleep is that I have been doing so much more work in the mornings than at night because I haven't had childcare, So I have fewer opportunities to work during the day, which means that I just have been getting less sleep. Mm-hmm. On the sort of more things I'm choosing end, I saw this awesome tweet from this woman named Daphne Kaylee, who is a journalist, and she described, I think it's Chinese phrase that translates as revenge bedtime procrastination, where you mm-hmm. stay up late to gain some control over your life because you don't have any during the day. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is totally a thing I do. I just need to stay up and be by myself and play dragons on my phone yeah, while no one is needing things from me, even if it means I'm going to be more tired tomorrow. Yep. What do you do on a regular basis to protect your sleep? The biggest thing we've done lately has been setting better boundaries for our kids. Mm. So they aren't staying up as late, and they're not interrupting that evening time. For a while this summer, when the sun wasn't down until 10 p.m., things were at their worst here in our sleep lives. Yeah. Now they're in bed at 8, reading for about half an hour to 45 minutes, and then lights out, and E is falling asleep right around 9, and HP is probably half an hour behind that. Now, Neil and I have that time starting at 8, now that they are not coming out on a every 5 to 10 minute basis. Mm. And then also, they're actually asleep sooner. There was a horrible time when often they weren't asleep until 10.30, Mm. which as somebody who likes to go to sleep in the 9 o'clock hour was just not okay. I'm not sure how things got quite so out of control. I think it felt like too much work to fix it. (sighs) And so we just accepted it for a long time. It is a lot of work to fix sleep issues. Yeah. No matter what age you are or what age your children are, sleep is a really tough thing to figure out. So it felt like this is terrible, but let's just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because from 8 to 10 p.m. isn't the time I want to be troubleshooting that problem, I mean. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Although I was because they were coming out (laughs) all the time. Yeah, right. (laughs) But the activation energy to seek out things that might actually solve it versus just crisis management. Yes. Which is what it feels like when you're tired. I mean, I completely understand that. And I had kind of had this attitude of it's going to get back to normal when school starts because Mm -hmm. it's going to start getting dark earlier and we're going to have that firm schedule so it's naturally going to shift things and then once school wasn't going to be in person it's like all right well guess it's just on us (laughs) we better get on this as adults doing adult things yeah (laughs) I often try and read before bed rather than use my phone but I'd say I only do that half the time I enjoy a good evening text with you and other friends, Mm -hmm. and playing boggle with Neil, and reading about politics on Twitter. (laughs) So while I know that sleep-wise it would probably be better not to, I usually don't have trouble falling asleep. I fall asleep within 10 to 20 minutes of laying down. And I also resonate with the revenge. Bedtime procrastination, yes. (laughs) Yes, that. (laughs) And sometimes I just want to use my phone and feel great about it. (laughs) What do you do to protect your sleep? I think I'm pretty good at protecting it in the bedroom. We don't have phones in the bedroom at all, which is a rule we made when we still lived in North Carolina. Hmm. We both are usually reading before bed, which is a good way for me to wind down. Mm -hmm. I often take natural calm before I go to sleep, which is a magnesium supplement that helps with falling asleep and sleep maintenance and general anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think I'm not great at heading towards sleep. Like I don't have great Mm. pre-actual bedtime sleep cues for myself and routines. Sometimes I do that revenge bedtime procrastination, but it's downstairs. I haven't gone upstairs at all. I'm just sitting on the couch on my phone for hours. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I need some other kind of cue or something that would help me move toward bed. I don't know. I do use my phone in bed but I think it helps me because at some point Neil's just going to go to sleep and then I feel like I have to put my phone away and go to sleep also. Hmm. Where if I'm out on the couch, I have and will stay up much later than I would otherwise. Huh. So I feel like that's a safeguard. Andrew's sleeping next to me because he goes to bed so much earlier and needs so much more sleep has never been a thing that helps me fall asleep. And since Neil goes to bed later, I feel like I am disturbing his sleep since he has to wake up earlier. Uh And if he's already asleep, it's probably time for me to go to sleep too. Interesting. (laughs) Just in general. Yeah. So do you have any sleep recommendations, Sarah? I am in the middle of this book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It's incredibly fascinating. It is very dense. A lot of studies are there. So it's not a book that I have been moving through quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. But it has inspired me to protect and prioritize my sleep more than I had in the past. Which is already a lot. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I've also used sleep stories when I was having a lot of trouble falling asleep last year. My hormones were out of whack. I was in and out of menopause and could not fall asleep. I use the ones from Calm and find them really lovely. My favorite one is Wonder. That is read by Matthew McConaughey. Mm. HP loves these also and uses one most nights to fall asleep. After E falls asleep, we'll bring in a sleep story for him. And then that is what actually helps him fall asleep. Hmm. I haven't used them lately, though, mostly because I haven't had as much trouble falling asleep on my own. And if I'm doing a sleep story, I don't get to just think my own thoughts and make up stories in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like that. So, I would say this is more of a last resort for me if I really can't fall asleep, that I would turn to this. That makes sense. The one recommendation that I have, I learned from a friend whose midwife told them when they were pregnant and having insomnia to try doing supported child's pose if they wake up and couldn't go back to sleep. Hmm. So, you do it by getting in child's pose. So, legs folded under you, Mm -hmm. hips near your heels, tops of your feet down on the bed. And then I like to bring my knees wide and put two pillows lengthwise under my belly and torso and lean forward. So then you can rest on one cheek and you can put your arms wherever. You can put your arms up if that's more comfortable, or you can put them around the side of your body. Mm -hmm. And then you just concentrate on your breathing. It's a really restful pose. Mm -hmm. I also found that it's really easy to kind of ease out of it as you feel yourself falling asleep, Mm -hmm. especially for someone like me who's a stomach sleeper it's easier to just right unfold your legs and kind of slide your pillows up or whatever which is <laughs> what i do but it's something about changing the body position that's a little bit different than normal that just helps feeling a little bit more restful nice that's all our sleep talk for today listeners we would love to hear about your sleep habits your quirks your preferences any recommendations you have for figuring out good sleep. Let's talk now about what we've been eating. I made for the first time instant pot butter chicken, which is from the recipe blog Two Sleepers. It was delicious. I have sort of struggled cooking Indian food. You know, not getting the spices exactly right. It's like too much. It's too little. Mm-hmm. It's too spicy. It's not spicy enough, etc. But this was awesome. I think I did less pepper than it called for just because I have some less adventurous eaters in my family. But it was still well flavored, even though it was slightly less spicy. I am all about some chicken that has heavy cream with it. <laughs> we served it over <laughs> rice. It was delicious. Sounds great. I too have struggled with Indian food and feel like it never quite measures up to what I get when we go out. So I'll have to give this a try. And here we don't even really have a good Indian restaurant that we found. We've tried a couple. And the things that we tried were so spicy as to be inedible. Mm -hmm. It's not a problem of authenticity. I think it's a problem of our specific palates meshing with what they're offering. Mm -hmm. But we have not yet found something like what we had. And so I am even more motivated to figure it out here. Yes. Great incentive. (laughs) Right. What have you been eating, Sarah? We have been eating all the watermelon this summer. Mm. I just find it to be the perfect snack. HP is a watermelon fiend. Mm. He said he didn't want a cake for his birthday. He wanted seven watermelons because (laughs) he wants to stay seven forever. He didn't want to turn eight, which he did. And (laughs) wanted one watermelon for each year of the age he would prefer to be. We ended up not getting seven. We did get two. (laughs) And he can go through easily half of a large watermelon in a day. But it's just been so refreshing and nice. I've been doing very little actual cooking. So this is what came to mind. (laughs) Love it. I love that everyone in your family is into it. Mm -hmm. My two children, I don't know if it's something about the texture or what, but they will eat a little bit of it and then they just spit it out. Mm. Specifically the baby is who I'm talking about right now, that he would put it in his mouth and be sort of chewing it and then he would spit it out. And it is a lot of work to cut it up. You need some good watermelon eaters if you are purchasing an entire watermelon. (laughs) Indeed. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find more details about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Just keep cutting so much of what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep talking. Okay. Maybe more enjoyable. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're me. <laughs> if you're you, I think you'd like this one much more than you liked the other. Well, it's a low bar friend. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yep. That's why I said much more. <laughs> Okay, just just say some more stuff again. Okay, cool. Is that a weird thing to say? <laughs> no, I think that's fine. That's fine. I, uh, I'll talk about fleas in some future life lately. Can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait.